We believe it has the ability to convict us of sin and draw us to repentance. We believe it's the, the tool that God uses to shape us individually and as a body called the church. We also believe it's the primary way that God teaches us about himself. And so we, uh, we consider the Bible to be this incredibly important and weighty thing that brings and breathes life. And so if you don't have a Bible outside of this place, please take that one home and start reading it. Um, so... Every year about this time, the powers that be, the politicians that make up our fair nation, get together for a little thing called the State of the Union Address. Small deal. No fanfare at all. Uh, just nothing, nothing great about it. Uh, if you don't know um, what that is, well, good for you. Uh, so... <laughs> all of the major politicians in our country get together. The president makes a big speech. And if you don't know how the, um, the night goes down, let me give you a, just a quick synopsis. It is the most partisan showing of bipartisanship you'll ever see. All right? uh, everybody who walked in the door, uh, already disagreeing with whoever fill in the blank our president is, uh, sits there uh, and jumps up and applauds every little thing they say of consequence. And everybody who walked in the door, already disagreeing with whoever our president is, sits there with their arms crossed and grimaces on their face the whole night, right? And so that's the kind of, that's the kind of event that you either absolutely adore and will make a point of watching this year, or it's the kind of stuff that you want to avoid at all costs. All right? So for instance, in a couple of weeks when it happens, I am going to watch it, and my wife Katie is going to disappear to some other part of the house. All right? <laughs> Call me on it, just what's going to happen. All right? uh, but here's the thing. The concept itself, if you remove it from all the political games we play, the concept itself, man, it's something good. Think about it for a second. You get all the people in one room, all the decision makers, all the people that have any influence, you get them all together, and you, you talk about all the good things that happened the last year. And then you cast vision for all the things that we need to work on in the year to come. Man, that's not just good, that's valuable, right? So that's what I want to do this morning. I want to give a little state of the church address today. But don't mishear me. I'm not looking for anybody to stand up and applaud. And I'm certainly, certainly not looking for you to sit there with a scowl on your face the whole time. But my hope, my hope is that in doing this, we can, um, well, we can celebrate what God did. And we can point ourselves in a really good direction for 2018. Does that sound like a good thing to do this morning? Does that seem like an appropriate thing to do for the first week of January? All right, let's, let's do that. Um, so, how was our 2017? Well, I might be biased, but I happen to think it was a pretty awesome year. I don't know, maybe you agree. I firmly believe that our church is in a healthier place than it has been for a few years now. Our people are growing in godliness. All right? uh, we got people who are, who are taking steps into leadership that hadn't before. We have people who are, who are understanding their Bibles in ways that haven't before. Uh, we've got some good things going on in our, sun, our Sunday morning small groups. Uh, we've got a, a Wednesday night program uh, that's doing good, good things. I'm willing to bet there are a lot of people in our church uh, who know their Bibles a whole lot better because of the secret church studies that we've been doing on Wednesday nights in our adult time. I don't know. Uh, We've been doing a a survey of the Old Testament and a survey of the New Testament. And so uh, throughout the last year, we have a lot of people who have a very big picture of of God's word that probably didn't walk in the door that way. Is that a win? I think it absolutely is a win. We've, We've got people growing in godliness. We had several people take advantage of our Bible reading plans and our annual reading list last year. I don't know if anybody ever 
like actually got all the way through the list other than me. Um, don't lie. All right. But here's the thing. Like, if anybody read something, that's probably more than a lot of people did the year before. And so are baby steps valuable? They can be. They can be. Baby steps in the right direction is still counted as growth, right? And so it's a good year. We also expanded our children's ministry efforts this year. If you weren't aware, we restructured some of our, uh, our Sunday morning time. We've added a bunch of new teachers. We've restructured some of the format of what's going on in there. All right? uh, we also have an entirely new Wednesday night program for elementary school age kids. Like If you didn't know, that didn't exist last year. We've added that this year. And so our, we've got graded Bible studies for elementary school age kids going on on Wednesday nights. They're doing Bible studies, and then they're going to a missions class together. Is that something we can celebrate? I think so. So while we believe that our primary job concerning kids is to equip parents for discipleship, we also feel like it's important for us to use the time that we do have with them to just knock it out of the park. And I think we're doing that really well. And so you need to know that we have an incredible group of children's volunteers who are doing a pretty dynamite job with our kids. That's something we get to point at and celebrate this last year. Our church has also grown numerically over the last year with both returning visitors and several new families who have officially joined our church. All right? And all of it is because God has seen fit to wake some people up to some things that have been going on here for a long time. Like there's no one person or thing that's really bringing growth here. It's kind of a, kind of a, it's all stuff that we've been doing for a while. Like we ask people when they come to visit or when they seek membership, hey, what brought you here? What's the thing that drew you? And over and over and over and over again, what we hear is stuff that has been in place for a long time. So uh, they felt re- really welcomed when they came in the door. Or our, our worship team leads in a way that's, that's simple but also authentic, and I just felt at home here, right? Those are the things that we hear. So it's no one person or thing. God just has decided, hey, hey, this is a good thing, and I'm going to show people this good thing, and people are now starting to respond to that. And so to that I would say, keep doing that, Right? It's working. Put your foot on the gas. Can we celebrate that this year? Absolutely. Absolutely we can. Another thing we can celebrate is that we've been used by God this year for the purpose of missions. We hosted a soccer clinic this summer in the park. We sent people to, Wellsp- uh, just, uh, sent people to work with Wellspring Church in Ohio and through SBC Disaster Relief. Uh, we began praying more specifically on Sunday mornings for a few of the missions connections that we have. We've taken part in several missions-based projects like Operation Christmas Child and the Toll Street Mission Food Drive and Hurricane Relief Hygiene Kits. We also got to be a better kingdom-minded church by working and being more supportive of a church plant in our own town. We were able to use our facilities that God has blessed us with to host a couple of mission teams for the Well Church that came to do gospel work in our city. And then two weeks ago, we got to make an incredible show of what the kingdom of God does by combining our Christmas Eve service with our brothers and sisters, brothers and sisters uh, from Han Maung Korean Church. God has used us in some massive ways for his mission. And finally, we also raised about $7,000 this year for missions efforts over and above our normal giving through special emphasis offerings for groups that we love dearly, like the North American Mission Board and the International Mission Board and the Baptist Convention in New England and our friends in Ohio. Now, have we done as much in all of those missions ventures as we would like to? Honestly, no. 
No, we hadn't. And there's a lot of people around here who wish we could double and triple and quadruple those numbers. But baby steps, right? In every one of those things, there was growth from the year before. Is that a good thing? Can we celebrate what God has done here then? Absolutely we can. All of those things have taken steps in a good direction from the year before, and we hope to take additional steps in this next year, don't we? And then maybe the most important thing that we can celebrate this year is that we are privileged to baptize five people in 2017. Heinrich Rosling, Emma Duncan, Abby McKee, Victoria Rosling, and Mary Todd. Are we allowed to be excited about that? We're excited that God has led them to be a part of our church family, and we're even more excited to get to walk alongside them as they grow in godliness, right? And so all in all, I think we had a good year. You may disagree, but you're wrong. And I think the only fitting thing to do after all that information is to stop and thank the one who provided. Right? So let's do that. God, you are good to us. We don't deserve a thing, but you provide and you bless, and you bless beyond our imagination. God, you have given us so many good things to celebrate this year. God, we pray that we are faithful with the, with the stewardship. God, thank you for using us powerfully, but God, God, I know that we want to do more, but I also trust that you're a God who will continue to bless, not because we deserve, but because of your character. Because you are faithful. And you are the Lord of provision. God, thank you for a good 2017. God, no one deserves credit but you. And God, protect us from ever seeking to take credit from you. You are a good God. In your name, amen. So you all ready to talk about what I think we can aim at in 2018? I'll tip my cards early. There's nothing revolutionary here. Like if you came for revolutionary, you haven't been here long. Just nuts and bolts. Matthew 28. Matthew 28, verse 18. It's a text you probably know by heart, maybe memorized it. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Okay, so this is a text that if you have any church background, especially church background at Nashua Baptist, all right, that you know very, very well. All right, just set the stage if you don't. All right, Jesus dies on the cross. He is raised from the dead. He's getting ready to ascend into heaven. And right before he does so, he's gathered his boys up on the hilltop to give them one last thing to, to say before I go kind of advice, right? You've all had conversations like that. You're about to leave. You, there's this thing that's going to happen without you there, and you want to make sure it's done well. And so you make sure to get that one last thing before I go moment done correctly. And Jesus chooses to use his one last thing to say, before I go moment on all authority is now mine. Go and make other followers of me. That's his words for his disciples. He didn't didn't create a list of different job opportunities and get them to choose their favorite. 
He doesn't offer an option up for them to, to sleep on and mull over for a week or two and then come with their decision. He says, no, 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 no. I'm in charge here. And if you want to follow me, this is what it looks like. Make disciples. Make other followers of me. The way we like to articulate that around here is that the church has one job to do. Which means that whatever else comes out of my mouth after that either serves to support that one job, bring about the fulfillment of that one job, or it serves as a distraction from that one job. So why this text and why this morning? Because I think there are three things that I can point to this morning that, I, that we can work on individually and corporately as a body that'll help us be better disciple makers in 2018. So who, who's my note takers in the room? You want, you want me to give you some headings? Ready? Three things. Number one, we need to make evangelism a higher priority this year. Look at verse 19 again. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Jesus tells us to make disciples of all nations. And let me just throw it out there in case you didn't catch it. That means new disciples, right? New disciples. It's not just rehash the stuff, the same stuff over again with the same people. Make new disciples. Like our church grew uh, this, this last year. Um, but the vast majority of that growth came from what we call transfer growth, meaning Christians came from other churches to us. Now, not all transfer growth is created equal. There are good reasons and bad reasons to move churches and go to another church. Um, and we want to be a great church, right? Like, Does anybody think that that's not true? <laughs> We want to be a good church. We want to be a, the kind of church that people who are searching for a new church go, yeah, that's the place. We want to be the, the kind of church that people coming out of an unhealthy church find their rest here. We want to be a good, healthy church. But being the best church in an area is not what Jesus has called us to be, is it? It's to make new disciples. All five of our baptisms this last year, all five of them were young people who became Christians a season before and then came forward to be baptized because either now they felt old enough or they felt like this was a good church home for them to plant themselves. All five. Now, those are good reasons to be baptized. But it's not what we're aiming at, is it? Like, five baptisms is a great thing. We should celebrate that. But what if we had 20? And what if, what if 15 of them had heard about Jesus for the first time? Like, would that be a win? Yeah. We need to make evangelism a much bigger deal in 2018. We need to make it a high priority because we want to make a bunch of new disciples, right? Well, how do we do that? Well, I think we have to finally become intentional about speaking the gospel to our friends and our family and our neighbors like actually intentional about that i mean if we were to shut all this down right now and just call a time out and say let's finish this next week and we were just to spend the rest of our time this morning you know, we got till noon 
If we were just to spend the rest of our time this morning asking you to share the names and the stories of the people that you're spiritually burdened for in your life, we'd run out of time. Like, the people that you immediately think of right now, the people that you immediately think of when the prayer requests come out, oh, I'm so burdened for them, I wish they'd meet Jesus, I wish they would this, I wish they would that. We would run out of time this morning. It is not for a lack of seeing the need that we're not sharing the gospel. It's a heart-level issue, right? We get in our own heads about this and we choke. I just can't. Yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, but. I think we have to be intentional about speaking the words of the gospel this year. Because if we really do believe the gospel we claim to believe, if we really do believe that Jesus died to reconcile us to God and to rescue us from the punishment of our sin, then choking is simply not an option on the table. But you may be thinking, I don't know what to say. Yeah, you do. Yeah, you do. If you, if you understand the gospel well enough to believe it, then you understand the gospel well enough to repeat it. Have you thought through that? We seriously make this more complicated than it usually needs to be. Like, there's a place for apologetics. There's a place for higher-level criticism, and those are valuable tools for the kingdom. But in all likelihood, your neighbor doesn't need any of that. Your neighbor needs you to invite them over for dinner. Your neighbor needs you to pull the trigger and ask them how you can pray for them. Your neighbor needs you to actually invite them to church and to speak the words of the gospel over that fence. The best gospel witness to your neighbor in this room right now is not the gifted speaker or the one who's been trained for evangelism techniques. It's not the one with a theology degree. It's the person whose life has been dramatically changed by the gospel and actually knows your neighbor. Here's a hint. That's you. Now, can we put some tools in your hands? Absolutely we can. I'm so glad you asked. I don't think you need a single one of them, but we can, so we will. All right? uh, there's, a, there's a tool called Three Circles. They actually have an app for it. It's that simple. All right? Three Circles. We will put it in the hands of anybody that wants it. But what we would love is for our small group leaders to consider making that a part of their Sunday morning time, training your people for it. I don't know. If you're a small group leader, that piques your interest, come talk to me. We got some ideas. All right? Three circles. Another one uh, is a website, bcne.net slash evangelism, Baptist Convention of New England, bcne.net slash evangelism. Whole webpage full of tools. One of them is called the Church, uh, the Gospel Conversation Challenge. They literally just want you to commit over the course of the year to having X number of gospel conversations with people that don't know Jesus. Like, that's not really that complicated, and it's like literally exactly what we're asking you to do, right? Get credit for it. Go to the website, fill that out. On Wednesday nights, we've been talking about our Wednesday night Bible study stuff. Uh, we've been doing the secret church stuff. We're going to skip ahead in the, in the timeline of all the secret churches that we have. All right? We're going to do something starting in February on Wednesday nights for our adults, uh, a video-based Bible study. And the whole point of that is to uh, teach you how to share the gospel well with people who are coming from different worldviews and faith backgrounds. Is that a tool you can use? Yup. So are there tools available? Yes and amen. Does this mean that you paint a target on your neighbor's house and turn every single conversation you have with them spiritual? No, that would be creepy. 
but we're either concerned about them on an eternal level or we're not. Like, we're really going to play games with this? If you are concerned with them on a spiritual and eternal level, it's going to affect some of the things and how you relate to them. And a whole bunch of the yeah buts fade into the background when we start seeing things in their proper terms. As Christians, we believe that we have a real spiritual enemy. And I don't know about you, but if I were him, I'd aim at making simple things seem too complicated so that people didn't get around to doing the simple things. Right? But if we're intentional about it, well, God may just be big enough to use it. And so I think we need to make evangelism a priority in 2018. We cannot be satisfied until we're making a bunch of new disciples. What about number two? Here's your second main heading. What what else can we work on in 2018? I think we need to make personal Bible reading a higher priority. Look at verse 20. Teaching them to observe all that I have commanded who? So Jesus tells us that part of the job of making disciples is to teach them what he has taught us. So follow me here. It's impossible for you to turn around and teach something that you've never learned throw that net out there. Before we can make disciples, we have to be disciples. Does that mean that you have to have have all the answers? Not even close. No one does. This is about chasing after what God would have for you and then turning around to pass it on to others. But if the Bible is the primary way that we chase after knowing God and what he would have for us, then we need to make make it a frequently occurring voice in our heart and our life, right? So, It doesn't matter if you think I'm a good preacher or a terrible one. You need more than just a Sunday dose from me. If it's really going to shape you, you do. We made several different year-long reading plans available last week. They're all still out on the welcome desk, by the way. We even have a digital one through the Bible app. It will literally read it to you. You hit play and then sit back and listen. Just say out loud what everybody else is thinking. If you're too lazy for that, you're too lazy. (laughs) Right? There's a lot of good things, bad things that come with technology. We can point that out all day long. But but there are some good things that God has given us through technological means, right? right? Some of the excuses, the games that we play of why I can't do this and why I can't do that, man, those disappear when all you have to do is hit the play button. We need to make personal Bible reading a high priority for us this year. It's no longer I can't because of blank issue. All you're left with in that moment is the want to. Here's where it's complicated. It's because the gospel is, I mean, if you want to sum it up in a unique way, the gospel is basically that our want to is broken. And that Jesus gives us a new heart and a new want to. But it's January 7th, I'll be behind. So? You really going to shirk off God's word because you're running a little late? But you know how long it would take to catch up a week? Like an hour. But we play games in our head about this. I mean, I want to be gentle here, but I also don't, right? Because beating someone over the head with the spiritual disciplines it lands you in a da- dangerous place. But Taking serious things and acting like they're not serious also leaves you in a dangerous place. Like we can't use the Bible as a hammer. 
We can't use the spiritual disciplines as a club. But if we ignore them, we may be worse off. Right? We need to make personal Bible reading a massive, massive priority for us. You cannot make disciples if you're not a disciple yourself. You cannot turn around and teach everything Jesus has taught you if you're still having to be hand-fed. But just like with the evangelism stuff, we get in our own heads about this. We fall into the trap of believing that the Bible is just too big, that it's just too complicated, and if we would only trust that our God is good enough to make the necessary things into simple things, who knows what he'd do. So let's use the simple tools available to us. And I believe that next year, if we do this well, we'll be pointing back at 2017 and celebrating how we have a bunch of people who know their Bibles really well running around here. Go ahead and project that one as a win. But here's our third thing. Third thing. We need to make paying off our debt a higher priority. Verse 19. Go therefore, or excuse me, yeah, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Uh, God has blessed us with some absolutely gorgeous facilities. I don't know if you've noticed that. I mean, I, I, I run around with a lot of other pastors and we have meetings here sometimes that we host. Listen, every pastor in our area wishes they had our building. We've got a great place. God has blessed us. God has blessed us with people who have carried the torch well and paying for some of these things. It's not wrong to have good buildings. It's not wrong to have nice stuff or even new stuff. Those are valuable things and they can be used for the kingdom. But they're also usually really expensive things. And seasons ago, our church chose to take out uh, some debt to make some expansions to our building and to fix some things that needed to be fixing and prepare for future ministry. And that, that was a good thing to do. We're also going to be paying for it for a long time. A long time. Longer than all the shiny things will wear away, right? Like, we're going to be paying on this stuff in a season where all those fancy new things no longer feel like fancy new things. Um, if you don't know, uh, we, have, we owe currently $140,000 on a mortgage that we took out for that. That's... That's a lot of money to some people. Maybe not to you, I don't know. We are currently paying about $19,000 a year toward that note through our annual budget. Like it's built into our budget that we got to make the bank payments, right? So $19,000, it's actually over that. I think it's nineteen three or something. Charlie will correct me later. We have, <laughs> that's, a, that's a lot of money. That's, there's some people who are kicking in a little extra to pay a little extra down uh, to reduce that, that principle. But that's the budget hit, 19000 a year. So what does that have to do with us making disciples? Well, it's neither wrong nor sinful to take out debt. That's, that's not necessarily the problem. All right? But our one job is to make disciples of all nations. And we're currently spending $19,000 a year on stuff that's not specifically disciple-making. That might, that should probably seem like an issue to us. Can we say that our facilities are a tool for disciple making, improvements to them help us make disciples better? Sure we can. But how long can we play that card? I said a while ago that we would like to take additional steps in missions efforts, and right now we can't take as many steps as we would like to. 
gee, I wonder what could happen if we freed up $19,000 a year in our budget. Hmm. Would that be a good thing? So what can we do about it? Well, we're actually going to steal an idea from another church I know, but it's cool because they wanted people to copy them. Um, I'd like to propose something called a harvest day. Harvest day. Concept is incredibly simple. We want to want you to prayerfully consider finding a way to put a little bit of money back over the next several months. And then in September, we'll bring it together and every penny of that will go towards our debt. I don't know what that looks like for you. Probably different than it looks like for me. Um, we want to call all families in our church to prayerfully consider how they would do it. And there's no rules other than that. I don't answer for you, you don't answer for me. There's no right or wrong way to do this. Each of us will save money through whatever means works for your family. Maybe it's collecting spare change in a jar. Maybe it's cutting out one iced coffee a week. Those things are like seven bucks. (laughs) Never had one. All right. (laughs) Maybe for you it's about picking up an extra hour at work every once in a while. I don't know. Maybe you're actually good with your money and there's a far more, far better way to do that. I don't know. Your family do what your family does and we'll get out of the way of that. This isn't for one second about the amount as much as it is about everyone being involved. It's about the whole body saying, I'm invested in what's going on here and I'm here to help. Now, does that mean that you, that you can't get a new car this year if you were planning on it or you can't go on a family, cake, family vacation? No, that doesn't mean that at all. Katie and I have got a big anniversary trip planned later this year. This isn't, one, this isn't a one or the other thing. This isn't a you have to help the church or do something nice for yourself. No, we're asking you to look for a way to walk in a single step of obedience here. Because letting our debt just sit there and eat up budget space every year when it could be better used for disciple making is probably something we should do something about. Right? And just like with the intentional evangelism, And just like with the intentional Bible reading, small acts of discipline get us where we want to go. No one's being legalistic about this, but let's take a step or two. So how would it work? Each family or individual prayerfully consider how they'll play their part and then just do what they do. You're not reporting anything to anybody. You're not filling out a commitment card. And I'm going to make darn sure that there's no cartoonish thermometer anywhere in this building. But we're serious about the prayer part. We're serious about the creative part. Katie and I hadn't sat down yet to figure out how we'll do it. We'll figure it out. Let's put a big old dent in our debt this year. Can we knock out $140,000 with just us in the room? Probably not. I don't know, but our God can. I'm not going to say he won't. I'm not going to say he shouldn't. He can. But even if he doesn't, right? Those of us who are in our, our, our Bible reading plans uh, through the, the, the app that we're using, uh, read about the, the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Uh, they, they have this confrontation uh, in Daniel with King Nebuchadnezzar, and they won't bow down to the idol, and so they're going to throw him into the furnace. Y'all remember that story? And they, they, they look them in the eye and say, hey, listen, we, we trust that our God is going to save us. We trust that he can, but even if he doesn't, I mean, even if it doesn't, we're, we're going to walk in faithfulness here. 
Can we knock out $140,000 in 2018? Yeah, we probably could, maybe. If we don't, are baby steps good? Will baby steps get us closer to where we want to go? Over and over and over again. This is not about hitting everything out of the park. This is about us setting our face in the right direction and taking the next step. When you pile a bunch of little steps together, massive things get done. And the job of making disciples of all nations is far too important not to leverage all the resources we can for the task. So let's work on evangelism. Let's work on personal reading. Let's work on debt reduction. Because each of them will help us do our one job as well as possible. So how do you respond to God's word this morning? Like, what do you do with with a state of the church address? I mean, in a couple of weeks, we'll be back in Ephesians. We're going to knock out two verses that day. Um, the week after that, it's like 14. You're right. We'll get, we'll get done with Ephesians eventually. But like, it's, not a, it's not a big, long text. We're not walking exegetically through the text. We're looking at a text that we've seen a thousand times in a different way, and we're calling people to take steps of action. So how do you actually respond to God's word this morning? Well, for the follower of Jesus, I think he's still got to press in. Press into the God who saw fit to bless so immensely this last year. Every good thing that you're clinging to right now, listen, that's not you. Oh, that's him. You press into that God and you, and you, you search for him in the scriptures and you, and you use the tools he's given us to chase well. You walk in obedience to the task he's given you of making other followers of Jesus. And you leverage everything possible because you trust him as Lord. I'm going to pray. We're going to sing. That'll be a time for all of us. Listen, this is what this is for, right? To, to put action to what he's calling us to do through his word. And so, listen, if you're a follower of Jesus, we're going to give you a time to, to do that right here as, as JB comes back up and sings. If you're here and you're not a follower of Jesus, man, I'm glad you're here. It is a weird week to stumble into our church. Just throw that out there. Come back next week. JB will do a much better job preaching. If you're here this morning, you're not a follower of Jesus. Man, I'm glad you're here. I hope you find this to be a safe place to work through the truth claims of Jesus and his gospel. Listen, what you need to hear this morning is there's not enough do in the universe to bridge the gap between you and him. He gives new hearts. He changes your want to. You need that first. Maybe you're here this morning for the very first time. You want to submit to him. Repent of your sin and come to him as Lord. I'm going to pray. We're going to sing. We'll have a couple people up front to, to talk and pray with you if that would be helpful for you. Man, I'd love to walk you through what that looks like. Let's all respond to God's word this morning. God, you're good to us. Thank you for the scriptures. Thank you for the great commission. I know my own heart too well to know that I get off track too easily. I take periphery things and I bring them to the center as if they're the most important. I take things that don't matter as much and act like they do.
take things that serve and exalt myself as if I'm the end-all, be-all of what you've placed me on this earth for. But you are a good God. And you are patient with me. And you continue to bless despite my ineptitude at stewarding your provision well. God, draw me to yourself. God, give me repentance. Help me press in through the tools that you've given me, the simple, simple tools that you've given me to chase after you. You love too much to make this complicated. You're a good God. Would you draw people to yourself this morning? In your name we pray. Amen.